Are you at Matthew 25? Verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus said. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to tell you a story of what the kingdom of heaven is like, what heaven is all about, what the economy of God is all about. He says, there was a man traveling to a far country who called together the servants in his house, and he gave talents to each of them. To one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to their own ability. Immediately, he left for his journey, and he who received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Likewise, he who received two gained two more. And then the one who received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord came back to the servants to settle accounts with them. He went to the man with five, and the man with five said, Lord, you gave me five. I made five more. Well done, the man said, thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few. I'll make you ruler over many. Now enter into the joy of your Lord. The one who received two came to the Lord, said, Lord, you delivered to me two, and look, I've gained two more besides them. His Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he received, then he who received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid, and so I hid your talent in the ground. Look, here's what you gave me. And the Lord answered, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, that I gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take this talent from him and give it to him who has 10. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and to he who has, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Today we're going to talk about what that means, the parable of the talents. What that means for us. Everybody say, now what? Now what? Now what? And that's the question this whole month we've been answering and each week. How many of you guys got to come to one of the weeks this month for now what? Okay, awesome. We've been talking about your inheritance, your power. This week, today, the title of the message is, You've Got It, Now Use It. You've got it. Say it with me. you got it. you got it. Now use it. Now use it. All right, we're going to say a confession together, a declaration of faith, honey. And this Good. declaration, maybe you're new to victory. Maybe it's your first time back in a long time. Welcome back home. You're, you're in the right place. That's right. But we're going to say a confession. We're going to put it on the screen, and you don't have to say it. I'm not monitoring to see if you're going to say it. But it's just a, it's a good confession to get ready for what God wants to do. So on the count of three, let's say it. One, two, three. I'm, I'm here, here on, on purpose, purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life. Because Jesus lives in me. Do you believe it, Victory? All right, give somebody a high five. You can be seated. Come on, we got victory this morning. Can I just say, I love this church. I love you guys. I think this is the cream of the crop. I think y'all are the best church in the world. Just look around this room. Look how diverse our church is. I just love how diverse our church is. Generationally, uh, 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 ethnicity, all of it, it's amazing. Can we give God a big hand? That's God's in heaven. This is what it's gonna be like, except for millions of people. Just gather together to worship God. You know, I was thinking um, just a few days ago at the Night of Hope, I was so nervous to get up there and, and declare. They, they had different pastors walking up on the stage to declare over the city of Tulsa, just a word of faith, and, and so, you know, there I was, I was, I, I was watching Pastor Joel Osteen speak, and then Dodie Osteen, the general who's 
conquered, walked through cancer, and she's been healed of it. And then, you know, all these different local church pastors that were there who've been walking with God and preaching for years, and I started getting nervous. Anybody else get nervous to do something that you've done before, but you just, okay, I'm glad some of us, I can relate with y'all. I, at times, I still get nervous even to preach and just to get up here because sometimes I'm, I'm just praying through it. In fact, Joyce Meyer says she feels afraid too sometimes, but she says, do it afraid, do it afraid. You know, so there I was, I was thinking about Joyce Meyer's statement. I was thinking, yeah, but that's hard right now. I was really nervous walking towards the stage when it was time to get up there and to speak the word. And, and honestly, I wanted to hide behind the stage. I was like, uh, can I hide back here? I don't want to do this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm going to mess everything up. I'm going to say something weird. My prayer is not going to come out right. I'm going to mix up my words. And, and I think about how all throughout the Bible, characters that God used, they all came to a moment of now what? Moments where they knew what they were supposed to do. They had an assignment. They had a calling. They had a, a, a talent that was given to them. But the question was, what are you going to do with it? I mean, think about Noah. God came to Noah and said, Noah, it's time to build an ark. There's a flood coming. You're the guy to build it. And Noah had that moment, a now what moment. Now what am I going to do? I know what I'm supposed to do, but now what am I going to respond to it? Our life is made up of our response to the now what question. Think about Abraham. God told Abraham, Abraham, it's time to move out from your home country where you're comfortable, where you've been at for a long time, into an unknown place. Now what are you going to do? You know what to do. Or when God told Abraham, Abraham, it's time to lay your son Isaac down on the altar. Now what? Right? Think about uh, even when Mordecai told Esther, Esther, you're here for such a time as this. You're in this moment. You've got this platform. Now what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Jesus was telling this story of this parable of the talent saying, these guys got something. And, and the difference that made some guys grow and some guys not grow was that some guys did something with what they've got. They did something with it. They put it to practice. The man with five, he multiplied it to 10. The man with two multiplied it to four. But the man with one, he hid. His response determined his destination. Your response will determine where you end up. Your response to the season you're walking through right now determines where you're going to end up. I was standing there on that stage, and it was time for me to step forward and declare. And by the way, Pastor Wendell Hope did a great job praying for the Tulsa Dream Center that night up there. We've got some awesome pastors on staff at Victory. I mean, just great guys in the youth ministry, the kids, young adults, Dream Center, Camp Victory, Bible call. All these guys are just awesome. These ladies are awesome. Turn to the person next to you. You're awesome. <laughs> But I was nervous. I was watching him. I was like, oh, my goodness. I got to follow Wendell. And he just, he just prayed an awesome prayer. And then, you know, looking at these other pastors up there, these other local church pastors, and all of a sudden the nervousness was wanting me to hide, wanting me to hold back. This is what the enemy wants us to do. When God gives us an assignment, when God gives us a revelation, when God does something fresh in your life, and he says, okay, here's what's next. The devil wants you to shrink back and be like that one man who hid the talent. When we hide what God's put inside of us, when we hide the thing God's called us to do, it's basically running away. It's basically saying, Lord, I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. Lord, my past, it, 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 it's, it's too messy for me to step forward into this new season, into this new direction. 
And I want to tell you today, God has new things in store for you. Don't get stuck in what's happened over the last 20 years. God has something new for you in this season. Isaiah said, behold, a new thing God wants to do in your life. Don't get stuck in all the former things. The former things are good, but the way that we honor the past is by moving forward into the future of what God has for us here in this church and in your life. But what holds us back from moving, what holds us back from using what we've got? I think it's an experiential-based Christianity. I think it's when we live based on the feelings of the moment. Like for me, I, I had a great experience at Word Explosion this past year when Jensen Franklin preached his sermon on just be a stick. How many of you guys got to hear that? It was a good message. You know, I, I heard that message and I got so excited. I was like, yes, I'm a stick, yes, come on, Jesus. And then the service was over. And I woke up on Monday and I was like, where's Jensen Franklin at? Where's the victory worship team at? Or when I went to youth camp and youth camp was awesome, man, and the emotions were high. And I was like, yes, youth camp, come on, Jesus. And then youth camp ended. Come on, have you ever been there before where you have a super hyper moment with God and then all of a sudden the excitement is over, the feelings aren't there, the goosebumps aren't there on Monday morning when you gotta go to work and you gotta make the phone calls and you gotta do the stuff or you gotta change the diapers. Can I be honest with you? Last Sunday, I, I had a great time just preaching the word on the Holy Spirit and right after the 11 a.m. service, God was moving down here, man, it was awesome and, and I walked back out, out that door and Ashley said, I got the diaper bag for you, Liam needs his diapers changed. <laughs> And my buddy AJ was like, come on, girl. He just got done preaching a sermon. Give him a break. Let, let, come on, change the diaper. And Ashley goes, he's still a husband. He's still a daddy. Just be a stick. I'm glad for a wife like that. But at the same time, I was like, come on, man. You know, listen, sometimes we have these moments where the excitement is there. Yes! And then the excitement is gone. And we just got to... Wake up on Monday and go to work, change diapers, live this Christian life, even when the goosebumps aren't there. I think this is what separates the people who use it and the people who don't. It's just the faithfulness past the feelings, past the experience. Because a lot of people live from experience to experience to experience, from a revelation. How many of you guys have gotten a good revelation from God in the last year? Okay, about half of y'all, so I need to be preaching a little bit better. Okay, how many got a good revelation in the last 10 years? We'll just back it up a little bit. Okay, cool. All right, awesome. And a lot of times we live with these great revelations like, yes, that was a good word, John Hagee. Yes, that was a good word, Jensen Franklin. Yes, I loved Easter, and, and, and I love these moments. And we live from revelation to revelation to revelation, and what's missing is the application. Because revelation without application produces no transformation. Revelation without application produces no transformation. You can hear as many great sermons as you want. You can go to awesome youth camps and acquire the fire, Joyce Meyer events, and go to Nights to Honor Israel and word explosions. But if you don't do anything with what you've experienced, if you don't put it into practice, what's been revealed to you, then no transformation happens. Let's say this together. Revelation without application 
produces no transformation. Revelation without application produces no Listen, these three guys each got a talent. It doesn't matter how many they got. The fact is they each got something. Jesus said, okay, three guys get something. Two guys do something with what they got. One guy does nothing. It's like people who have an awesome experience with God. But then they walk out the room as if nothing really happened. And because they don't apply what God just spoke to them, they see no change in their circumstances, in their attitude, in their character, in their lifestyle. God wants us to move into maturity, past just the feelings and the experiences and into the transformation, but it requires application. So how do we use, how do we start using what we've got? Okay, I'm glad you asked the question. Number one, start where you are. Start where you are. Start where you're at. You can't, you can't be somewhere that you're not. You can't, you, 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 listen, we all want to be maybe further ahead than we are right now. We all would love to have maybe further influence than we have or maybe more uh, impact. But God can't give you more until you make the most of what you have right now. I mean, these guys, they had to make the most of the talents that were given to them. They had to start where they're at. You may not have been given five talents. You may not have been given three. Maybe you're given one, but just start with the one. Start maximizing the one talent. Start allowing God's Holy Spirit to use you in this time, in this moment, instead of waiting until you graduate from college or waiting until you go through Bible school or waiting until you get your doctorate. Start where you're at. Start where you are right now. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17, he says, stop wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. I think that's a word for you this morning. Where you are right now is God's place for you. I think what trips so many believers up is that they start comparing where other people are at, wishing, man, I wish I was there. Wish I had their job. Wish I had their connections. I wish, wish we were in their, their opportunity. Wish I was in their shoes. And Paul says, listen, where God has you right now is where he wants you. There's a reason you're not where you want to be yet. It's because God's wanting to do something in you right now before you get to that next place, that next season. We can't, and a lot of us are thinking, well, once I get there, then I'll finally start doing something, right? Once I clean up my life, once my life is better, once I'm out of this mess, then I'll start letting God do something through me. Then I'll get involved. Then I'll get in a connect group. Then I'll start serving in the church. I'll start teaching a Sunday school class or maybe working out, helping out at the Dream Center or witnessing at my workplace. But God says, listen, if you're waiting until everything's perfect, you're going to be waiting the rest of your life. You've got to start even when seasons and circumstances are all around you that are imperfect and difficult. Start where you are. In John chapter 4, Jesus ministered to this woman at a well. And this woman was coming to get something to drink. And Jesus asked her for a drink. And she said, well, why are you a Jew asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink? And Jesus said, it's because, and listen, Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They were on opposite sides of the fence. It, was, it would be like a Christian and a Muslim talking to each other. All right, so this man is talking to this woman saying, can I get a drink from you? And she goes, why are you asking me for a drink? And he goes, well, the truth is, you're thirsty. And she goes, yeah, well, of course I'm thirsty. I'm at the well. He goes, no, no, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with right now isn't even your husband. You're thirsty. Come on, say thirsty. <laughs> the woman goes, okay, you're a prophet. 
Okay, and so she starts trying to change the conversation. Jesus says, listen, I'm not just a prophet. I'm not just a good man. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. I'm Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'm the answer. I'm the living water that you're looking for, and I'll never leave you thirsty again. She has an encounter. She has a revelation, an experience with God. Now, you would think, well, this woman's got a really bad past, or you know, maybe she's got to clean things up. Maybe she's got to go and study with Jesus for a few years, be around his disciples before she starts sharing what God did in her life. Maybe she needs to go and get her master's or her doctorate degree. Or maybe she needs to move to another town where nobody knows about her bad past. But instead, in John chapter 4, the rest of the story goes, that woman left that moment immediately. And she went to her hometown where everybody knew about her bad past. And she immediately started using the ministry that Jesus did in her life. And her whole town got saved because of her testimony. Start where you are. Start in Quick Trip. Start at AT&T. Start in the IT. Start wherever you're working, wherever God has you. Start letting God use you. As a janitor in children's church, whatever it is, start letting God use you right now. Because it's never going to be perfect. You know, today, right after service, we've got a table in this middle lobby called the Now What Table. And this table is a table where we've, gonna, we've got so many people out there that are ready to connect you into a connect group. You weren't meant to walk through this Christian journey alone. You've got to start right now by surrounding yourself with people who are going after God. I love this picture of these lions. And this picture says, surround yourself with those on the same mission as you. Look at that right there. Surround yourself with those on the same mission as you. You're like, well, I'll do it once I move to another state. No, start right now by surrounding yourself with people that are going after God. You've got to get some people around you that are going to push you into your destiny, that are going to push you into your purpose. Today, we can connect you to those people. You could get involved serving. You say, well, I don't know if I want to serve right now. I don't know. The greatest thing we can ever do is serve. Notice that the story doesn't say, well done, thou good and faithful supervisor. Well done, thou good and faithful manager, thou good and faithful CEO, thou good and faithful pastor. No, it says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because the greatest title we could ever have is servant. And God wants us to step into our destiny, not years from now, but right now. Start where you're at. This man who owned a farm, he would every day go out and use his old plow and this old ox and lived in a, a small shack where he would go out and just plow the ground, not on the field. He, he had eager earn, just meager earnings, not very much, and he would just have enough to put some food on the table for his wife and his daughter. One day a traveler came by and said, sir, I've, I want to tell you I've found diamonds in India. You should come with me and let's go search for diamonds in India. The farmer was so captivated by the story. He was so uh, inspired that he sold his whole farm to make the money to go to India to search for diamonds. He gave his wife just a little bit of money and said, you just take care of you and our daughter and I'll be back in a few months and we'll have wealth beyond our wildest dreams. So the man goes off as a diamond finder, searching for diamonds and he goes to India, spends many weeks there and finds no diamonds. Then he leaves India and he goes to Africa and begins searching all over Africa for diamonds. Doesn't find any diamonds. And then he ends up in Spain, discouraged, defeated, depressed. And he ends up diving into a raging river, true story, and ends his life. Never went back home because he never found the diamonds he was looking for. Somebody came along and bought that old farm that he was sitting on back home in the U.S., they went with that same old plow, used the same old ox, living in the same old shack. But they dug a little bit deeper. 
and they stumbled across these black rocks that were really shiny. So they put those black rocks in their house. They realized there was hundreds of them all over the field. Didn't think much of it. One day, a man came to his house just to check up on him, a friend, looked over on the mantle above his fireplace and said, do you know what you have here in your house? The man said, oh, those black rocks? Yeah, there's hundreds of them all over the yard. He said, sir, those are diamonds. What? He said, those, <laughs> those are diamonds. He said, you said you got hundreds of them? He said, yeah, they're all in the backyard. They went out on hands and knees. True story, they discovered the largest diamond find in history, the De Beers Diamond Mines. But think about it. The man who left all of it in search to find diamonds elsewhere, it was right beneath his feet the whole time, and he didn't even realize it. Sometimes we've got our eyes set on out there when God's saying, start right here. Dig a little bit deeper in your own church. Dig a little bit deeper in your marriage. Dig a little bit deeper in your job. Quit thinking you got to have another marriage or another job or another church in order to really feel happy or to really feel sad. Dig a little bit deeper because the answer that you're looking for is right beneath your feet. Start where you're at. I'm telling you, church, we have so much potential inside of us that God's given us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us an inheritance that's not just an eternal inheritance, but it's meant for the here and now, victory in this life, joy in this life, increase and in prosperity in this life, not just when we get to heaven, but right here. He says, I want you to reign in this life, not just reign in eternity, but reign as believers in this life. And sometimes we, we underestimate what God can do in us and through us in the season that we're currently in. Number two, here's what we gotta do. Number two, we've got to use what we have. Use what you have. Number one, start where you are. Number two, use what you have. You've got to use what God's given to you. I said it earlier, but God gives us all different talents. For me, I feel like I'm a two-talent guy. I, I could sing and preach, but I get nervous doing both of those. I mean, I, I still struggle and stumble at times trying to just you know, preach a good word or sing without, you know, hitting flat notes or, or bad notes, whatever it is. But God's given all of you talents. He's put talents inside you, talents to uh, be a salesman, talents to be a mother, talents to be a father, talents to be a stand-in father, to be a mentor, to, to, to be a worship leader, talents inside you that are meant to come out, but you've got to use it. It's like muscles. If you don't use them, you'll lose them. You gotta keep exercising. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, Timothy, fan into flame the gifts that are inside you. Fan into flame. Use the gifts that God's put inside you. Put it to practice. Fan it into flame. That thing that you learned as a kid, as a teenager, as an adult, don't, don't disregard it. Don't put it on the shelf. Don't say, well, God's done with me. No, God's not finished with you yet. You're here on purpose because you have a purpose. If God didn't want you on this earth, he, it, you'd already be in heaven. The fact that there's breath in your lungs means he's not done with you yet. Fan into flame the thing that he's put inside you. Lester Sumrall, he had worked decades in the Philippines ministering to people. And he passed the age of 60, and God called him back home to the United States. People said, Lester, you should probably slow down now. Stop, stop doing all this traveling, all this ministry stuff. Just, you know, you should probably stop now. Lester wouldn't stop. In fact, when he was going into his 70s, God put a dream in his heart to start a feeding program called Feed the Children. Here he is in his 70s, 
almost about to turn 80, and he starts this dream. He shares it with my dad, and he shares it with Oral Roberts and a few other men. He says, I, I think God's not finished with me yet. I think God's not finished with me yet. I think there's still something inside me he wants to do. And I, I got this dream. Today, we know the program Feed the Children. As a church, we're sowing into it. It's feeding kids all over the world. And it all started with one man who said, there's something in me that's got to come out of me. God's put a dream inside of you. He's put talents inside of you. Don't die with your talents still inside you. Let them out. Don't hide the things God's put in. Don't be like that man who went and hid the thing that God had done in him and for him and wanted to do through him. Go out and put it into practice. Multiply it. See, the truth is we can't get to where God wants us to go until we make the most of where we're at right now. God can't bless you with more until you're making the most of the little that he's made for you, that he's given to you. He said, you've been faithful with few, now I'm going to make you ruler over more. I've realized this too, I mean, just ministering in the church that when I was serving my parents as a, as a kid, as a teenager, I was always asking them, I want to do more, you know, I want to do more. And they'd say, well, are you making the most of what you have right now? Are you doing something with the platform you have right now? Are you serving in children's church, Paul? Are you helping your sisters? Are you serving your older brother? Are you serving your brother-in-law, Caleb? Are you helping at 3D? Are you involved? If, if you want more, then you gotta make the most of where you're at right now. You gotta use what you got. You may not have everything, you may not be where you wanna be, but use what's inside of you for this current season. Am I preaching to the right church this morning? <laughs> Fan it into flame. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says, these gifts that God's given you aren't just for you. These gifts are meant to serve other people around you. He says this, God's given each of you a gift. You got a gift. And from his great variety of spiritual gifts, in order that you would use them to serve yourself, to serve one another. The gifts that God gave you are not just for you, but meant to serve other people in this church, in this city, at your workplace, at home. You are blessed to be a blessing. God gave you gifts, not just for you to use them or for you to hide them, but to serve. Somebody's waiting for the gift inside of you to come out because it's gonna launch them into their destiny. There is someone on the other side of your response to the now what question. There was a man in Mark chapter five that had been healed of demon possession. He had all kinds of demons in him. I mean, like, there was a legion, which meant a thousand or more demons were inside this guy. Mark chapter 5, Jesus shows up. He crosses a lake just to heal this man. I'm glad Jesus still crosses a lake just to heal one person, just to preach one message to one man. And I believe this message could be for one person today. God's speaking directly to you. Businessman, mom, single parent, whoever you are, God's speaking to you today. And this is what Jesus tells him. He says, listen, I've come to heal you. I've come to set you free. The man gets healed of demons. All the demons in him leave him and jump into a herd of pigs. And the pigs go running down the bank. Come on, bacon. You don't know what you're eating. No, I'm just kidding. Bacon's good. We in Oklahoma, we love bacon. Come on now. I like to get a little bit of bacon on everything. <laughs> but listen, the town, they didn't like it. They said, you stole our bacon. All of our bacon just ran into the lake. We need you out of here, Jesus. Okay, the town got upset. 
In reality, they didn't like what Jesus did. He was turning their town upside down. That's what Jesus does. He changes things. He gets you out of the mold you've been stuck in for years. And this town can't handle it. They're like, we were comfortable the way that we were. And you came in and you changed it. You healed somebody that we liked staying in that place of possession. All right, so the man gets healed. The town gets upset. The man runs to Jesus as Jesus is leaving the town to please the people because they don't want him there. And Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on people who won't invite them into their hearts. And so Jesus is getting into the boat. He's leaving. And the man with demon possession runs to him and begs him, let me go with you. Let me go to the towns you're going to. Let me preach at the places you're going to. I need you with me on a constant basis so I can do what I want to do. And Jesus looks at the man. In verse 19, he says, go home. <laughs> go home. Go home. Change diapers. <laughs> Serve your family. I know you had a great experience with me. I know you had a great revelation, but let's put some application to it. Go home and use it. Go home and use the thing that I just did in you. But Jesus, you don't understand. My home life is crazy. Jesus, my home, they're the very people that pushed you out of the town. They're the people that are mad about the bacon. Jesus, please don't make me go home. My wife, I can't stand her. My kids, they're crazy. They're driving me nuts, Jesus. Just let me go with you. I want to get on the boat. I want to leave my hometown. I want to get out of this business. I hate this job. Jesus, get me out of here. And Jesus says, go home. Go back to that job. Go back to that spouse. Go back to those kids. Go back to your parents and go walk in love. Go use the gifts that I've put inside you. Go do something with the revelation you got. You can't move to another country to do this. You gotta start where you're at and use what you have. How many believers are missing the victorious life because we think we've gotta get out of town in order for God to use us when God's saying, I wanna use you right where you're at. I want you to use what you've got in the season that you're in with the people that are around you. How can I send you to the nations when you can't even minister in your own neighborhood? How can I give you more gifts when you're not doing anything with the gifts I've given you right now? See, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to what happens to you. And that's the difference. Whether you're given one, two, three, four, five talents, doesn't really matter. It's what are you going to do with what was given to you? Band, I want you to come up as I get ready to close. I think about this story, this man, true story. Before planes were flying from one continent to another, people would get on boats to travel from Europe to USA, from Africa to other countries, other continents. And this man, he bought the ticket to get on this cruise ship. He had just enough money. He saved every penny he could to buy a ticket to get on the cruise ship. He wanted to go to America. It was going to be a three-week journey. With the leftover pennies he had, he had a suitcase, and he went out and bought some crackers and cheese. I'm going to live on crackers and cheese for the next three weeks just to get to the United States of America. He got on the ship 13 days into the journey every day, every night, just eating his crackers and cheese, just sitting in the corner, thankful to get to go to America, slightly discouraged as he would watch these other people on the ship go into these nice restaurants that were on that ship walking into the banquet hall, eating steak, lobster, shrimp, chicken. Come on, you getting hungry right now? <laughs> he would sit there eating his cheese and his crackers. 13 days into the journey, a man walked over to him and said, Sir, I, I've noticed every day you sit over here and you eat your cheese and crackers. I, 
I don't understand why. How come you haven't come into the restaurant, into the banquet hall? The man was a little embarrassed. He said, I, I don't have that kind of money. I, I only had enough money to buy my ticket on the ship. I, I don't have the money to eat the fancy meals you guys are eating. I'm fine with my cheese and crackers. The guy looked at him with his eyebrows raised. He said, sir, when you bought a ticket on the ship, it included the meals and all the restaurants. The guy was dumbfounded. Here this whole time, he had been eating cheese and crackers when he could have been eaten in the banquet hall. So many people think that the inheritance that we receive from Jesus, it only starts when we get to heaven. That our ticket only includes joy once we get to heaven, peace, victory, once we enter into eternity. Jesus said, I didn't just give you inheritance that starts when you get to eternity. I gave you inheritance for the here and now. I gave you joy in this life, peace that passes all understanding, this victory, prosperity in the here. And use what I've given you. Some of us, we're like that man. We've got our ticket and we're looking at those church people that are walking in victory, that got joy, that are just consistent. They, they've figured out a disciplined life. They've got the Holy Spirit, self-control, laying hands on sick people, getting healed, and we're over here eating our cheese and crackers. I know, it's okay. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. You guys got the better salvation. I didn't get the whole package. I just got half the package. I just get to go to heaven by the skin of my teeth. I'm barely making it in there. If you got breath in your lungs and you ask Jesus in your heart, you got the same thing Billy Graham got. You got the same thing. Or you got faith, you got hope, you got joy, you got peace. It doesn't matter what your past is. You got a bright future in Jesus. Jesus specializes in using people that have a messed up past. I mean, he brings a woman from a well from six marriages and says, go preach to your hometown. He uses a guy who's got troubles even admitting that he's a follower of Jesus and says I want you to help build the church Peter he uses a guy like Paul who's been part of killing Christians says I want you to go and save some Christians now don't say that your past will not allow you to do something greater you start using the thing God's put inside you right now number three keep moving forward keep moving forward keep moving forward I'm thankful for the people in my life that keep encouraging me. Paul, keep moving forward. Don't get discouraged. There's going to be times where you feel like you miss it, where you feel like you're working hard and it's not, not showing up. You're not seeing it all, but just keep moving forward. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. That should be the word we speak to every believer. Let's not be the believers that discourage each other. Let's be the ones that say, keep moving forward. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it. Paul said in Philippians 3, verse 12, not that I've attained anything, not that I've reached perfection in man's eyes, but this one thing I do, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me, and I'm pressing forward. I'm pressing on. I'm laying hold of what Christ has ahead for me. In other words, he says, I can't change the past, but I can change the present by deciding to respond with the spirit of power, with the spirit of love, with joy, with peace, with grace, with forgiveness. Heard a story about a man named Emmett II. Emmett grew up in a bad home. His father was abusive verbally and physically. His mom would pull him and his siblings out every Sunday just to get to church trying to get them in a safe place, a good place. Go back home to a toxic environment. She was too afraid to divorce him. He would continue to abuse them, molested each one of them. When Emmett II turned 18, he had so much bitterness, hatred, anger in his life towards his father. He 
changed his name because his dad was Emmett the first. He changed his name to Tyler. I don't want to have anything to do with my dad. He carried so much unforgiveness, hurt towards him. But he continued to go to church because his mom said, Tyler, don't you stop going to church. Don't you stop going to church. He left home, left his town, went to another state, started getting involved, going to college, got a job. When he was young, he would write to help escape from the place he was in, the home that he was in. He would write stories, ideas, plays in his mind. He wrote his first play, and in his late 20s, he saved up all the money he had. It cost him, him $12,000, all the money he had. He put it to this play that he had written. The play was performed on a stage, and people laughed. People made fun of it. People booed. People gave him terrible reviews, said, you don't have a career in writing. You don't have a career in this thing. Just stop. Just stop now, start a new job, get a different career. For the next nine years, he would rework that play, rework the scripts that he was writing, just working odd jobs. Today, that man's making $130 million a year. His name is Tyler Perry. He's the wealthiest man in the entertainment business. But I wanna tell you the part that you probably wouldn't know about. Tyler made a decision in his mid-30s, he found out that the father that had abused him and hurt him wasn't even his biological father. His mom had lied to him his whole life. He found out he didn't even know who his real biological dad was. All of this pain towards his dad, his mom, his upbringing was building up in him. And he told a story about how he realized he, in order for him to press forward, he had to learn to forgive the people who had hurt him in his past, the people who had hurt him along the way. I think about in your life, there's been some things that have happened that you can't control, some stuff that's gone wrong, some legal battles you've had to face, some things that have happened in your job, in your family, in your health, and you've got to choose not to get stuck in what happened to you. you got to choose not to get stuck in the season that you're in right now thinking this is it. Because the truth is, we're in a fixed fight. We're going to win in the end. God's not going to bring you to a, a bad ending. He's going to bring you to a flourishing finish. Philippians 1.6 says, He who started this work in you will be faithful to bring you to a flourishing finish. In other words, victory is in your future. Whether you live or you die, victory is in your future. But I'm telling you this, if you're in a storm right now, a battle in the darkness, God says, this isn't the final scene. This isn't the end. Whatever you're facing right now, just know this is not how it ends. Get your faith up. Realize I'm walking towards victory. Victory is in my future. My best days are not behind me. I've got great things ahead for me. The, the light is at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to get through this season. I love what Paul the Apostle said. When Paul had been shipwrecked, when he had been beaten, people had thrown stones at him and even tried to kill him, thrown him in, in prison, and he had been through all of this mess. He says in Acts 20, verse 24, I love these words. He says, yet none of these things move me. None of these things, look at that scripture, but none of these, say that with me, none of these things move me. None of, the, he says, I've got to finish my race. I've got to finish, I'm going to move forward. None of these, you know what Paul was saying? He says, listen, I'm not going to get stuck in a bad thing, and I'm not going to get stuck at just a good experience. I'm going to stay plugged into the source. John 15, 5 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, we've got to keep the power on every single day. Get the application going. Paul was plugged into the source. He said, come on, come on, I want this power. You might try to knock me down, but I'm getting back up. I'm plugged into the source. Cancer, you don't stop me. Job loss, you don't stop me. Divorce. 
You can't stop. I'm moving forward. I'm not going back. I'm moving forward. Whatever this life brings against me, I'm moving forward. I've got power. You can put me in a grave for three days, but I'm getting back up. I'm moving forward. Whatever happened in your past, whatever's happening in your present, tell the devil today, I'm moving forward. I'm moving. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not losing hope. I'm moving. Say it with me. I'm moving forward. Get up on your feet all over this place. Jesus. Jesus. I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward. Jesus. Someone here today, you've gone through abuse. You've gone through some difficult things in your home life. But God sent me here to tell you today, get back up. Get back up and keep moving forward. Get your power. Come on, get that power back on. Get this power. Get connected to when the devil tries to knock you down. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward.